Welcome to the Fatherhood Challenge program. The Fatherhood Challenge is a movement to awaken and inspire fathers everywhere to take great pride in their role and to challenge society to understand how important fathers are to the stability of an environment and culture. We're going to encourage and challenge each other to step up and do courageous things that make our families and communities better places. So let's get to it. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate you listening. We are continuing our conversation from part one of the last episode. If you missed part one of this conversation, you can find it by going to thefatherhoodchallenge.com. That's thefatherhoodchallenge.com. And look for episode Choosing to be Present, part one. And now we'll continue on with part two. Let's talk about resources. What resources have you been a part of that help to connect fathers with their kids? And what are the outcomes of those programs or resources? I've been involved with a, a organization called Project Fatherhood, um, and it's with Children's Institute. I didn't know anything about it. I just kind of Googled it. In Los Angeles, I was kind of like, hmm, let's look for some fatherhood support groups or something like that. I Googled it. I read the description. It came up. And it came up at right around the time when I was looking to change um, my career track. Prior to that, I had solely been involved with um, sport and education. And I still wanted to do things in the sports world, but I wanted to kind of change my track on the education. So I simply replaced that with uh, Project Fatherhood. And what what we've been doing at Project Fatherhood is we work with fathers. Some fathers come voluntarily. Some fathers are mandated by the court to do parenting classes, so they get credit for that. But what I found is not only do we teach them maybe good methods of co-parenting or good methods of communication and discipline and so forth and so on, but when the fathers come together, share their stories, listen to each other, have an opportunity to speak, it becomes such a freeing experience. So that resource, I think, could, could work nationwide could work worldwide i think a lot of fathers i think men in general we not we a lot of times we don't share our feelings thoughts and emotions so when you give them a platform to do that you see tremendous healing that takes place so um i have to say when you talk about resources that's that's the first thing that comes to mind that's what i've been involved in and um I just think the world of it and what I learned from it, what it's done to help me. Um, and I think the opportunity has given me to help others, other men and children. It sounds to me like when these men are walking through the door, one of their biggest needs is to not feel alone. Is that correct? Absolutely. Um, to not feel alone and not feel judged and not for people not to assume that they're A, B, C, and D. Everybody's different. And, and again, nobody, no, nobody's perfect. 
So um, it's not about that, but there's a lot of false assumptions that people place upon um, fathers and men um, that they carry with them that become very painful. So, um, so that, but you're, but you're right. I mean, time and time again, so many of them say, man, I, I just, I didn't know there was other people out there going through this. I'm not by myself. So they see their situation is not so, so unique. And then when they gather with their cohort for 14 weeks in a row, it's a tremendous um, binding that takes place between um, the interactions and stuff. So definitely I think those are the two things that benefit the men. What are some of the issues that you've seen with incarcerated dads and connecting with their kids? Uh, are those relationships failing or they are they falling through the cracks? And what solutions are in play to resolve some of those issues? Well, I think I think the biggest thing that happens when you talk about incarcerated men and their children, um, traditionally, they just don't have the interaction with one another. So um, I think like in any relationship, when you don't interact, then you start developing distance and you develop the distance because people stop knowing who each other is or are. So that's the biggest thing with incarcerated men. Um, I have had the opportunity to do some work with incarcerated men. And what was interesting was they were the men, the population that we focused on were men that were incarcerated for a period of time, but were soon to be released. And um, what the focus was knowing that they were going to be released and, and it, it varied from when, how much longer time they had, but knowing that they were going to be released, we impressed the point that they needed to start interacting with their kids um, even though they were still incarcerated and even though maybe their kids couldn't see them, but they needed to reach out to the kids and they needed even inside to start talking about what it's going to be like when they leave where they're at and they get reunited with their kids. And when I talk about, talk about what it's going to be like, not just, oh, it's going to be wonderful. You're going to see the kids, but talk about some of the, the difficulties, talk about some of the feelings the kids are going to have at first, talk about some of the feelings that you're going to have, you know, maybe feelings of guilt or feelings that you didn't protect or you didn't do this, you didn't do that. But my point being, beginning the process that, beginning the process that transition, because if you don't do that and then, you know, the men are incarcerated day at one day and then the next day they're not. And now it's like, okay, well, little Johnny, I'm home. That's not always going to work out too well. So I think preparation for the transition is is really what what needs to be focused on. It works out well, in other words, when there has been that preparation and they understand and both sides, the, the child understands what to expect and the uh, the inmate that gets released understands what to expect and they can have solutions to keep that connection. Does that sound right? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And, and, and I mean, in realistic ex- expectations, I mean, because it's not going to be all good, but you know, it's not going to be all terrible either, you know? And, um, we, we, we talk, when we've talked to the men, we, we've told them that even though your kids could be disappointed, could be angry, um, probably the biggest issue is they just don't know you, but I believe innately and intuitively children love their fathers, just like children love their mothers. You know, they may be mad at them. They may be disappointed. They may be hurt. Um, but the biggest thing is depending upon how long you've been distanced from them, you may, they may not know you and you may not know them. So, so you have to understand that's what you're going to have to start looking at, getting to know each other again. So that's why, like, you know, when you were asking me earlier, it's, it's, it's important to begin that process before, you know, you, they, they are released. What are some of the benefits, even emotional benefits for both the child and for the inmate being connected and staying connected while the incarceration is still in progress? There, there, there is so much, so much to, to be gained from that, even though it's obviously not a, the ideal situation. You know, nobody wants to have to parent from behind bars and, and no child would want any parent behind bars. But that's so much greater than just cutting it off and there'd be no interaction. Because what happens is even if they're behind bars, that interaction that we're speaking about, they 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 be they continue to know each other. They may not see each other, but they still know who they are. Emotionally, the kids know the father's there. Emotionally, the father has an understanding of how their kid is, how they're growing up. And um I can't I can't stress how important that is. That connection in itself, even though it's less than ideal. But I think just the emotional the emotional comfortability in knowing instead of this idea that you have no idea what's going on. It means the world. And any healing, particularly for the father, that they need to go through, it's they're much able, it's much easier for them to go through it when they stay in touch with their kid opposed to they never talk to them and they don't know what's going on. The one I can think of is that it eliminates an identity crisis, both for the father and for the child. You know, the role of a father for a son and the role of a father for a daughter is so, so important, but they need to know that they have a dad and if um, even under bad conditions, but if they're still in, in connection with them, then um, their identity can develop a lot easier, like you're saying, opposed to if they're just like solo, if they feel like they're by themselves, if they feel like they don't have a dad. So absolutely, you're absolutely correct. Why is it that some of these things aren't really being talked about? It's seems difficult to find out about programs like the ones you've been involved with and some of these initiatives. So 
Is it that there really is an unawareness of it? Is it that it's not interesting enough? But why isn't there more discussion about this? Society doesn't put enough on the importance of fatherhood. Um, I think it's it, it's like motherhood and then fatherhood just comes kind of after that. So I think a lot of it is that. Um I also think in some regards, because one of the things we we tell a lot of the fathers we work with when they'll talk about how there's biases and things are not fair, so forth and so on, and things need to change. And I think this is kind of what you're suggesting. And I would agree things do need to change. And one of the ways they change is when we as men, as fathers, we speak our voices we continue to be present, whether we're single fathers or whether we're married fathers. But we, as long as we take active roles in our children's lives, as long as we tell society that we want this, as long as we tell society how important it is that we do this, that's that's how things change. And I think a lot of that hasn't happened. I, although I believe it's beginning to happen, I believe fathers in our generation um things are different than maybe fathers of our father's generation or maybe our grandfather's generation i think things are changing but it's but it's a slow change it doesn't happen overnight um and then i think even when you talk about um policies you know whether we talk about policies on on custodial time child support, all how all that stuff comes about. Um, those 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 decisions were made um, years ago, but circumstances are changing. And with these changing circumstances, these policies will change as well. But we but but men and fathers have to stay active. Their voices have to be heard. So what you're saying is for any of these policies to actually change there has to be a reason demonstrated for why it needs to be changed. And that involves fathers being faithful to their role. Absolutely. Being faithful to their role and, um, and, and, and bringing awareness to the issues at hand, you know, being, being, um, bringing awareness to some of the um, biases or being awareness to some of the shortcomings because and, you know, and this is another thing that I think is really, really important. It's not a, a, a father versus mother. It's not a man against woman. Um, it's when we're talking about these changes, it's, it's, it should be for the family as a whole to benefit. And in particularly the kids, because when some of these biases occur, occur the children are the ones that miss out more than anybody. You know, when a child doesn't have the opportunity to have the the best possible relationship with their father, they lose out. They absolutely lose out. And same thing if they didn't get a chance to have a good relationship with the mother. So I believe that we have to be mindful of the benefits that the children get. And it's not about a father's right and the mother's right, because then we can get into he said, she said, and then kind of a back and forth thing. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about 
the way that things should be would be for the best benefit of the of the child. You know, the court speaks about all the time in the child's best interest. So I'm saying, okay, well, let's do things that are in the child's best interest. And then I'm okay with that. And some of the men that you've worked with in some of these programs, do you ever get a sense that some of them have lost their identity and they've lost their purpose? And does that change on the other side of it as they've gone a little further into the program? What happens is a lot of frustration and um, just being, you know, discouraged. And yeah, they, they, they do, um, you know, they begin to feel in some regards worthless or it's, or it's useless. Um, and then I think it, you know, uh, particularly when it begins to impact them financially, then I, be, then I think even to some degree, um, their, their, their manhood is in question, you know, and, and, you know, we constantly try to state that, you know, that's not the case. That's not the case. It's not, you know, you may be going through a difficult time, but as long as you stay in the game and continue to do all that you can do to be there for your children, you're not losing. You may be just going through a process. And um, that's important when you, when you find out and when you begin to see they are starting to lose their identity as men or even their identity as the father in these, in their children's lives. What are some of the stories that you're willing to share success stories from some of the men that have come in and how were they changed when they came out? Just the other day, I got a call back and a gentleman was like, man, um, Mr. Herman, they dropped my case. I, I, I now have full sole custody of, of my little girl or my children or so forth and so on. Wow. Those, yeah, those, those, I mean, because you hear, I mean, and sometimes when they tell me they weep because they just didn't think they would be able to get through it <laughs> and they got through it. And I, I just, we try to stress to them, you just have to be patient and just, and just, you know, trust and believe do the right thing. Cause it really sounds like it's a marathon for them. And when you're running something that long, that much of a challenge for that much of a distance, your biggest asset is accountability partners that keep you on task, that keep you focused when you are just tired and drained and you just want to give up. And it sounds like that was really their biggest need. Right. It Well, and then in addition to it, it's like it's this long marathon and you don't even know where the finish line is. <laughs> so so you so you have this long, you know, it's going to be long and it's going to be, you know, it's going to wear you out. But you, you, you can't even say, well, at least I got so much further. You don't know. So sometimes the unknown <laughs> is what really, really, really makes things difficult. And um that's why, you know, we, we, we speak about you just always have to be prepared mm -hmm. and because um, you just you just don't know. It's, you know, unfortunately, you can't say, well, in three weeks, three months, three years, you, you don't know. A lot of uncertainty. Tell me about some of your goals and initiatives and bringing awareness to how important fathers are. And just to let the audience know some of the links that 
have been mentioned uh, will also be in the episode description. So when you go to thefatherhoodchallenge.com and you go to this episode and you go down to the description, the links will be there so you can check them out as well. But tell me about some of your goals and what you're working on. As you could probably tell, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in the type of work that we're doing. And I would like to see it really, really um, spread out throughout regions, you know, definitely throughout Southern California. Um, um, and as you had said earlier, and um, when you introduced me, I do have a strong sports background, former sport agent. Uh, I do sports psychology. In addition to that, um, I do sports analysis for teams, players, companies, so forth and so on. But with all that being said, I would like to bring more awareness on fatherhood to the sports world because I know from a lot of different perspectives, fatherhood has been very impactful, whether from a positive standpoint or a negative standpoint. I believe that's been the case with professional sports, a lot of elite athletes and stuff. So I want to bring that my initiative to the sports world, the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, and so on. And um, and in doing so, I want to use the model that I've been using. I want to introduce it to them so they can use it in their pool. But then after they've used it, I want them to take the model and help support the distribution of it within the varying cities that they represent. Um, and when I say um, support, it can be through um, financial support. It can be through just awareness of what's happening. But I think, I think in our country, sports... I mean, you look at, you know, it seems like every holiday is marked with the big game, basketball, football game, this, that, and the other. You know, Super Bowl Sunday has become almost like a holiday within itself. So I think that the awareness that I think we talked about earlier that is needed, I think the sports world is where is the ticket to bring that awareness to our society. So that's what I'm working on um, outside of what I do at Children's Institute. I'm, I'm working on this with um, some of my contacts in um, all three of the major sports leagues to bring awareness to fatherhood and not just bring awareness, but to provide a working model for all the fathers out there. I think this is long, long overdue. And you're absolutely right. Uh, there is so much press and media attention around the game itself, but there is so many missed opportunities to talk about why men are so important and to get some of these messages out that we have been talking about even on this episode where so many people can hear it. You just don't hear it out there. And it would be great to see that change. So I am very grateful that you're stepping out there and trying your best to use every resource that you have access to, to get this message out. I am very, very grateful that you're doing this. So thank you for 
all of the initiatives and everything that you're doing along that work. You are doing a very, very great work. Thank you. What I'm trying to do is simply use a lot of my um, difficult things I had to go through with regard to fatherhood, and I'm trying to share, teach, and provide wisdom to men and ultimately to their, their, their families to get the benefit. So maybe some of the hardshed that I went through, um, a lot of other people don't have to go through that. And a lot of the hardshed that my kids went through, you know, the yearning to be with their dad at times when they just weren't able to for no good reason. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times, um, one one of my biggest two regrets when I think about my situation is I think that my kids had to sacrifice a lot of their childhood because of the system and, and because of some of the rules that were set up that just didn't make any sense. And, um, and even maybe because of some of uh, the decisions that their mother and father made, you know, but I just want people to understand, you know, kids childhood is, doesn't last very long. So when they're a child, let them be a child and give them the best childhood that they can have. As we close, what is your big challenge to fathers listening right now? Enjoy every day, every moment, and remember the time goes really quick. It do, there are times, but one, these moments that you make, you'll have them for the rest of your life, no matter what. And as you grow older, you'll think back on it and it'll bring you so much joy. But you, but you have to invest in it early. You got to put the time in. And even if you feel like it's, you know, you're tired at certain times, go ahead and make that sacrifice and get it, do it. Make those moments because you'll look back on them and you'll find them to be maybe the greatest moments of your life. Nobody can take those from you. Even when your little boy or little girl is grown, you will have those moments and they will be so enduring to you. Trust me. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I've said this many, many times. I mean, that's what we call leaving a legacy because your kids are going to remember that. It may seem like a little or insignificant thing that you just did, but... For you, it's that moment. For them, they will carry that the rest of their lives. And they will remember how you were there for them. And with that pattern, they are more likely to carry on that tradition when they have their own kids. So that's absolutely powerful. Herman, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us and to tell your story and to share all of the initiatives and things that you're doing. Uh, I... I'm grateful to be a part of it, even in this way, and to be part of telling everything that you're doing and and sharing this with with the audience. So again, thank you so much for everything. And and to the audience that's listening, thank you so much for listening as well. It's always good to have you on. Well, thank you, Jonathan, for having me. And thank you for your platform that you provide. Collectively, we're all doing our share. We're going to make a difference. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find this one and catch up on others you missed at thefatherhoodchallenge.com. That's thefatherhoodchallenge.com. You can also find and listen to The Fatherhood Challenge on your favorite podcast app. 
Thank you for listening.